From the University of Southern Queensland Springfield campus, welcome to Unleash Your Career. I'm Spencer Housen, and please welcome, please be upstanding, for Lou Bromley. Hang on a second, you already are. Hello, Lou. <laughs> Hello, Spencer. How are you? Well, thank you. What's happening this week? You, you were asking Jock Fairweather a couple of weeks ago about how do you recognise a good investment for or the, a start? Or the next unicorn. That extra that was the unicorn. Term, yes. Exactly. So how do you spot the money? Well, I've actually got two people in the studio this week who know how to spot the money. So I've got Lee. How are you today, Lee? Very well, Lou. Hello, Spencer. Hello. And I've got Cass, and she is a startup founder of Writerly. How are you today, Cass? I'm great, Lou, and hi, Spencer. Hi. Nice to meet you both. Thank you. So we're going to hear a little bit more about them, about show me the money to do a throwback to Jerry Maguire, but also about making decisions around what's a good startup and what's not. But uh, first of all, I want to tell you a little bit about an event I was involved with a couple of Saturdays ago, the Entrepreneurship Summit. So shout out to Sam and Tony, um, my colleagues um, who ran the show. But we had Jock Fairweather opening it for us and a range of speakers about how to take this idea through to startup. And one of the things that uh, we got to hear from um, and about was from Barbara Della Harp who is our Executive Dean for Business, Education, Law and the Arts. And she told us a little bit about her thoughts um, of what she thought of the day and as well as a little hint of what's to come in USQ land in entrepreneurship. Yeah, she dropped some big news, didn't she? Here she is. The opening of the session was around just setting the scene of what is entrepreneurship, what is it, what is its importance to society, how can students actually contribute, and what does it mean to them, how do they find their place, and what are some of the characteristics that are shown in the research literature to correlate quite highly with being a successful entrepreneur. Now, can you give us a sneak preview of some of the exciting courses that are coming up from 2018? Yes, fantastic. We're busy mainly working on the paperwork now, and uh, hopefully we can get that through the committee structures and everything in time for semester 2018. That's our goal, but don't hold us to it in case in case the paperwork doesn't get through. But that's what we're aiming for. So what we've got is a number of initiatives. The um, one is around a minor in employability and entrepreneurship. So it really is trying to give students an opportunity to take a sequence of four courses to help them with their uh, life choice. Is it going to be in an entrepreneurial, is it going to be in a career uh, success? So they can cover both areas, employability and entrepreneurship by taking this minor and help them progress and fast track their career aspirations. We're then going to do an honours year. If people really are serious about starting up a business and want to get a project off the ground, they can spend a whole year doing an honours focusing on entrepreneurship and career employability and really spend a lot of time, six months of that whole year will be around projects, prototyping, ideation, uh, upscaling and really trying to help them work through the whole phase of uh, putting together a uh, business opportunity. And then we're also now looking at a combined degree where students can do one year extra and they'll leave with their degree in business, engineering, um, arts, plus a Bachelor of General Studies with a major in employability and entrepreneurship. So then again, giving them a real head start into what the world of work is going to be like um, with the balance across traditional career opportunities or the wonderful world of entrepreneurial thinking. So we've collected lots of feedback and data from the students who attended and the overwhelming request that we got 
tell me more about how to get finance, how to get investors to back my decision. So that's why I invited some angels in the room, ladies. We're going to talk a little bit about jargon again. So I'm going to throw this open to Lee. Lee, when I why am I talking about angels when I'm talking about finance, startups, business? Well, I've left my halo at home, unfortunately, but I am a recent uh, recruit to being an angel. So when we talk about angels in the startup context, we're talking about people who are there to support startups, not just with capital or finance, but also with experience. So angels end up being mentors, networking um, opportunities, as well as a source of capital for early phase companies. And we really sit in between the very, very startup piece where you would have probably heard about accelerators and incubators. I think you've talked to some. And then down the track, if a business is successful, they tend to go to a venture capitalist to get really big major funding. But that seed capital that sits in between to get people off the ground and up and running tends to fall to angel investors. And in the past, angel investors have always existed, but they were often friends and family of, you know, want to be entrepreneurs or starting entrepreneurs. And these days when we talk about angel groups, we're talking about more structured groups of people who come together to discuss opportunities, listen to pitches, and uh, hopefully go forward and support some of those startups to become bigger and better things. So your personal story, like you've trained as an engineer and then you've, you've got a background in consulting on the oil and gas industry and management consultancy, business consultancy, and so forth. How did you get into this? So I actually was invited along by a colleague that I met at an event. So hence the networking piece comes into play straight away. But the interest to me definitely was a bit of a combination of those background skills that you mentioned. So having spent time in big corporates in management roles, but then also doing business strategy with more medium-sized companies, I really like the fact that the angel investing is an opportunity to bring those skills together and look at helping these businesses through, but also look at investment opportunities for myself. I've also got Cass here with us. Cass, you've had to do a pitch in front of people like Lady Angel. Tell us that experience. Take us into that room, (laughs) paint us a picture. What is it like doing a pitch to a panel? Uh, I've done so many pitches in the last couple of months. They all kind of blend into one, but I do remember my Brisbane Angels pitch because I walked in there and it's going to sound really naff, but I had a cardigan on and halfway through my pitch, I realized I was really, really hot and I was so distracted by it. It just kind of threw me off a little bit, not too much, but just mentally, you know, it's the little things can throw you off and there's so much at stake when you have a startup. I mean, you, you put everything on the line. I'm at the stage now where I, I have some investment on board and I'm raising a seed round at the moment, which means um, it's like the the first sort of big stage, what Lee was talking about before, um, where we're raising about half a million dollars to further fund our venture. And it's it sounds like a lot of money, and it is, and I fully appreciate that, but in the startup world, it's actually not that big of an amount. It's still considered quite early stage. And wow. so, yep. but for you as a startup, any amount of money <laughs> is helpful. And so I feel like I'm like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon character with dollar signs coming out of my eyes. <laughs> You're dropping, you know, 500 mil, you know, gangster style. But, I know, yeah. but this is small fry, right? Well, in the grand scheme of startup world, yes. Um, there are companies out there raising $40 million and 
we're not at that stage yet and we're just we're just doing this initial round um, to give our startup some legs we've had some early traction uh, we've got some great runs on the board and now we're taking that to investors and saying look please believe in us <laughs> no not really I mean yes really but not in the kind of desperate way you're basically just presenting what you've done and and the track record that you've already created and and then giving them a bird's eye view of what the future will look like so that they can see for themselves whether or not um, you're a good bet for them, I guess. Would that be a way, a good way to describe it, do you think? Absolutely. So I guess one another uh, angle that the angels take is to try and make lots of investments and really have a, a diverse portfolio. So one of the advantages of having a group of people coming together to invest is that we can all put in individually perhaps relatively small amounts of money that then together will meet the the seed capital that the entrepreneur is looking for and in fact we'll do syndicate deals with other angel groups as well whether that be um, elsewhere in Queensland or interstate or even overseas. Can I just ask then on the on um, from the point of view of a potential angel how I'm seeing dollar signs maybe from the other perspective I don't know what <laughs> like how, what's the minimum that you could sort of enter one of these arrangements as an angel? Yep. So as an angel, at least within the Brisbane Angels group, the minimum you can put into any individual deal is about $5,000. On average, I would say, you know, around $10,000 would be a fairly standard amount. Okay, so you're not looking for people who individually will put put a million dollars in. No. It's not about that at all. Yeah, wow. and, and I think say that's, yes though, right? <laughs> absolutely happy to take it. But I think yeah. that's a, a, a good point, Spencer, that angels aren't necessarily all extremely high net worth individuals. They do need to have, you know, some interest in investing and be willing to put some money forward. Otherwise, otherwise there's not much point being involved. But we're looking for that mixture of skills of both some capital and also that mentoring capacity and ability to give some time to work with the entrepreneurs as well. So in the case of Kaz's 500,000, that could be, you know, a num- a, quite a number of people coming together, putting in $10,000 each to, to get the total. There's also a number of government um, funding initiatives out at the moment that will match dollar for dollar. So mm. if we raise $250,000, then she may be able to get the other half through uh, one of the current government schemes as well. You are listening to Unleash Your Career, coming to you from the University of Southern Queensland, Springfield campus. I'm Spencer Housen, and here's Lou Bromley. Cass, I want you to pitch to me in 30 seconds or less what your business is about. Okay, so Riderly is a content marketing tool aimed at helping businesses transform their expertise from knowledge workers into marketing content in less time and for less money. And is is it for bloggers? Who would use this? It's for, um, so basically it's for people who have expertise in a business who need to contribute content but have no idea how. So your strategists, your engineers, your doctors, your lawyers, people who have industry expertise that they need to somehow translate into marketing content. And you can get marketers to write this stuff and you can get them to do interviews, but it takes a long time and oftentimes they don't get it right. And you actually need that person with the expertise to write that content or create that content. So that could be in the form of blog posts, Uh, It could be in the form of just website content, such as about pages or profiles, case studies, things like that, and also social media content as well. So this is hoping to enable those who aren't natural writers. Actually, you're probably cutting my grass. I like working with people to try and (laughs) do this sort of work. So it's turning the technical expert into more of a writer. 
Yeah, I guess so. So it's it's basically helping someone who might be really proficient at writing technical documents and actually talking about their job very passionately within the framework of talking to other people within their industry, but who, when it comes to actually talking to customers, potential customers, they kind of just scratch their heads and go, well, I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. Now, marketers still can use this tool, absolutely, and they do. We've got a number of marketers who use it, um, and for them it still saves them time. But for those people who have expertise, and in the world there's currently about 230 million of them, um, and it's growing because automation is taking over a lot of the mundane roles, and so knowledge workers are growing, and I think it's it's going to grow from 48% to 60% within the next year or so, so it's huge. Um, they need the support because oftentimes – marketers are so pressed for time I mean I'm sure as a marketer you know what it's like when you have to create so much content and that pressure on marketers to create content is growing all the time so this is a way that businesses can actually empower their employees to advocate for the business and take on that role without it putting that extra pressure on the marketers. So if you've just walked on Springfield campus, you're listening to USQ's Unleash Your Career here on campus or online. And I'm talking with Cass McCulloch about her startup called Writerly, which is a platform to help bloggers um, turning tech experts into writers in loose speak. <laughs> you were recently pitching this. So we're, I'm going to be using words like your pitch deck, angels and so forth. What's a pitch deck? Okay, a pitch deck is basically it's a communication tool that helps you quickly get across what your startup is about, what problem you're trying to solve and what your solution is, what your traction is and where you aim to be going next. So basically that's it in a nutshell. Um, would you like me to walk you through what that actually looks like a little bit? Yes. Okay. Um, I actually have my pitch deck in front of me. so I can On her smartphone, yeah, ladies and, and gents. The funny thing is, is that what I pitched to Brisbane Angels last month, it's it's actually changed since then. And that's what happens. You pitch to different VC firms um, or you pinch to, oh, sorry, not pinch, pitch to different angel investors and you get constant feedback. And then you're also getting feedback from your actual users and customers as well. And so we've, we've actually gone through a little bit of a metamorphosis in the last month since I pitched to Brisbane Angels. And partly that's due to the mentoring that I've had with one of the angels, Richard Moore, and, um, and also from feedback from some venture capital firms that I've been in touch with in the last month. So, yeah. So anyway, that said, um, so with my pitch, so I, I rearranged it a little bit. So Richard had said to me, start with introducing yourself because... One of the things, and this is the thing when you pitch, it is an iterative process. You're just learning as you go and sometimes you'll nail it. And when I did the Sunshine Sunshine Coast pitch for Sunshine Coast Angels, I felt like I really nailed it and I walked away feeling really good. But when I walked out of Brisbane Angels pitch, I, I kept thinking, oh, I really could have done that better and I could have come across more powerfully and I could have answered that question better. And, you know, you can't beat yourself over the head. You've got to just keep going. But I felt like one of the things I didn't do strongly enough was actually present my own expertise and I've got quite significant expertise in my industry and I, I don't know if that came across as powerfully as what I would have liked. So I rejigged my pitch so it really puts that front and centre and goes, this is, you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done and this is why I can lead this. So that was my first slide. Actually, yeah. 
who are you? Tell who, us a little bit about yourself. Who am I? Uh, so I've been in marketing and communications now for 25 years and I've worked across a few different industries. My favorite is tourism. I've worked, um, done quite a bit of work with the Woodford Folk Festival, particularly in building their publishing capacity over the last couple of years. And I also am a content marketing influencer in my own right. I write for some of the top content marketing publications and digital publications in the world, um, like Social Media Examiner and Content Marketing Institute. Every year they hit me up for my prediction of what's happening in the, in the next year with content marketing, and I have fun with that. And I'm also a best-selling published author of a nonfiction book, Your Brilliant Uncareer. I love that title. Thank you. Tell you me about it? what the book is. Yeah, do you get the whole Miles Franklin thing? Um, so Miles Franklin wrote the book, Your Brilliant Career, and Your Brilliant Uncareer is it's kind of... a feminist book about entrepreneurship and about emancipating women from the idea that they only have two choices either nine to five or stay at home with the kids and calling out that con that you know and I call it a con because I've heard politicians talk about this oh you should either stay at home or you should go to work actually you don't have to you can make a different choice there's more than two choices and so the book is really about empowering women to see that they have more than two choices and giving them ideas on where they can go. So that was something a few years ago when I started my own businesses and I used to be in consulting, doing content marketing consulting work before my startup. That was something that I was very passionate about because I was seeing a lot of women put themselves in either of those two baskets and then and going, oh, I can't do it, it's too hard. Or not really looking at the opportunities. And even with the whole startup world, I mean, the opportunities in the startup world for women are amazing. and. There is honestly, there is so much funding out there. And I, you know, I wish it was all given to me, but there is a lot of opportunities if you know where to look for them. And a lot of people don't even, they have ideas for things. Like when I first came up with this idea, honestly, I kind of laughed it off and went, oh yeah, it's a stupid idea. I know that it feels terrible to say that now, but then I pitched it at a competition at Little Tokyo too, initially, and all of a sudden people were interested in it. And then I launched it as a service and people were giving me money for it. And I went, okay, I think this is an idea that actually has some legs. And it took a while for me to get through that process. But imagine if I had actually totally believed in myself from the very start, how much different would things look now? I've had to learn that. And I wish I'd, I wish I'd had that sense of self-efficacy, I guess, from the very beginning. Life moves fast. At the University of Southern Queensland, you can study when you want and how you want. Because we care about you, with personalised support throughout your entire learning journey, whether you choose to study on campus, online, full-time, part-time or a combination to suit your busy life, visit the number one Queensland university provider for online study at usq.edu.au slash your future. That's where you'll find your future, your way. Oh, oh, the future's starting now. I want to ask Lee a question about... You know, we get people like Cass who walk in the room, they're doing the pitch. How do you know whether you're going to throw, you know, 500 mil at her or... 500,000. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll take the million, she'll take the million. I'll take the 500 mil, sure. Upgrade button press, there we go. <laughs> yes, 500 grand, sorry. Or, or it doesn't matter what the number is. How do you make a decision or call on whether that was a really good pitch? What are you looking for? Well, I think a really important point that Cass has opened up here is that when we're looking at angel investing and indeed uh, venture capitalists have the same uh, 
sort of criteria, it's not just about a great concept, it's about the ability for that concept to be executed. And so particularly in the early phases where the founder is the driving force of the business, whether or not we believe in their ability to execute that product and that company is paramount to whether or not we will invest. So where Kaz has got the feedback from Richard on, you know, upfront explaining her background and her particularly her technical and also, you know, professional experience is a really cool piece of that. I guess the only other piece that is, you know, very critical to the pitch deck that perhaps Kaz didn't touch on is what's the deal? What's the investment deal for us? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, we're interested in the product and do we believe it has legs, but it's an investment pitch. So what's the return we're likely to see? How long is it likely to, to take to return? And we look for a five to eight year period for our investments to, to have a return. And so it is a long, patient process. And again, coming back to that mentoring involvement as well as the capital, but we're looking for someone who can execute that looks like they'll deliver a product in a timely manner. This is Unleash Your Career. And here's Lou Bromley. Now, I've got Lee Staines from Brisbane Angels, as well as Cass McCulloch from Rightly. If you're thinking, that's all well and good, I'd actually like to try startups and my own small business. We're talking about how to get money for that. Lee, we've heard all about how Cass has been making her pitches, put together a pitch deck and getting in front of Brisbane Angels to do that. How do we find you guys? Because at the moment, just looking at you as a caricature of a bucket of money that we can go and tap into and someone writes a check at the end of the 10-minute pitch. But how do we find people with the money who want to invest? Tell me a bit about you guys. So Brisbane Angels is only one of many angel groups around the world. And in fact, we've had a, uh, a launch a couple of weeks ago by a group of very experienced angels who put together an organisation called Angel Loop. And Angel Loop has a desire to see the angel community across Queensland grow rapidly. In fact, they'd really like to have a thousand angels across Queensland within five years. So at the moment, we've got an, there is an angel group in Brisbane. There's one on the Sunshine Coast, another on the Gold Coast. They'd love to see more regional angel groups all the way throughout Queensland. Uh, one of the initiatives they launched at this uh, event a couple of weeks ago was called Angel 100. And that's looking at trying to have 100 startups get founded in the next two years, which if you think about it is really one per week. So it's, you know, it's a lot, uh, it's pretty exciting if they get there. So we're trying to uh, increase the collaboration between angel groups to help improve the education about what's involved help the groups syndicate between each other to get deals up and potentially, you know, have networking events, an annual conference to come together and try and help, uh, you know, initiate more and more of these groups to work together. On the side of finding people to come and invest then, it's about create, making it more tangible for entrepreneurs to find a group that's local to them so that they can get to a pitch night, they don't need to come to a capital city. But if they go online and have a look at angelloop.org, that's a good starting point for this organisation. There's also a plethora of incubators and accelerators opening up, which are another point to go when you're a startup looking for information. And I won't name specific ones because I'll, I'll inevitably not name them all. But uh, certainly if you Google accelerator or incubator and start there, it's another avenue to get you on your journey. Actually, Cass, did you use an incubator or an accelerator program to help you? Yeah, I did. Um, last year I won a competition, uh, the Suncorp Small Business Challenges Competition, and that was run by um, Queensland Chamber of Commerce as well as Blue Chile, which is an accelerator based in Sydney. And so that 
I won that competition. I got funding from that competition and was became part of the Blue Chili Accelerator. And I've been working with them ever since. So how did that work? Because you live in western suburbs, Brisbane, mm-hmm. yet your accelerator was based in Sydney. Were you travelling a lot or did you do it remote? They actually have an office here in Brisbane as well. So ah, infiltrating yeah. the southeast Queensland scene. Okay. Yeah, they've got an office in, in Melbourne as well and Brisbane. And what's really cool about that is that when I go to Sydney or Melbourne, I always have somewhere I can just go and hang my hat and work and I can just literally just walk in the door. I've even got a little pass um, and just go, hello, I'm here. <laughs> so it's really helpful from that point of view because you often do have to travel with your with your work as a startup. You often have investor meetings interstate and events to go to and things like that. So you can meet a client in, in Sydney or Melbourne. In yeah. other words, you, you have an office that you can meet them at. That's exactly right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's very impressive. Yeah. It definitely helps. And the mentoring has been amazing. They have a special program they put you through where you really get put through your paces as a startup. And if you're totally new to business, like you end up looking at the whole list and feeling quite daunted. For me, it wasn't so much of like a lot of stuff I already had in play because I already had a business up and running. And then I had to literally merge my business with the startup. So that's been the interesting thing for me. But it's Um, Working with an accelerator can just open so many doors because they know investors, they're really familiar with the investment community, Um, they help you with your pitch. We we practice our pitches every week in Brisbane um, and it's brutal. We get a lot of really brutal feedback but it's great because it means that you've got an audience to kind of experiment with as well. I used to look after graduate teams as part of a graduate development program in a corporation where they had to do this. Ten yeah. minutes of power at ten minutes in one second. I gong them. There's no more words. Then a senior executive panel, some years with the CEO, would pepper them with questions about why. Tell me about that. Why should I pick you to be the winner of their business idea? It's terrifying, although I kind of like that stuff, but it is terrifying. Yeah, Does the practice help you to get comfortable in that space or have you always been someone who's happy about getting up and selling Uh, your wares? No, I I have been that terrified person. And honestly, the first time I I did this pitch, um, or not this pitch, but my very first pitch at Little Tokyo, I literally was looking at my notes the whole time. And look, I can get up and I can do training and things like that. It's it, For some reason, pitching just got into my head and it felt like this different beast altogether. And so I struggled with that a lot and I really had to work at it. And now, I mean, even now I have my off days, but mostly I can show up and I can just do it. And I know my topic and I know what I need to convey and, and what's going to be important for investors. But it's a, there's such a huge learning curve and you've really got to kind of put your ego at the door and realize that every no or every piece of advice or criticism is going to get you further to your goal. Lee, the Shark Tank television program, is that a good or a bad thing for people understanding the pitching process? You know, you hear about police officers criticizing cop shows, doctors criticizing hospital shows. How realistic is what we see on Shark Tank? It's a very good question. I think the benefits of Shark Tank is that it has made it a better understood concept in the idea of pitching for capital. I think the show itself is probably a little bit misleading as to how the actual event um, is undertaken. For example, at the end of the pitch where they're you know, doing the deal on the spot and they make a agreement, we'll give you this much money or whatever it is, 
term sheet deals are not done on the spot on the night like Correct. that. Uh, oh. and, uh, and, uh, and I do believe that there is a, a due diligence process after that, even on the show. So, you know, we've got and to a have a bit of good editing TV. maybe as well. Probably. Yeah, okay. got, to, got to have good No TV. motto checks, unfortunately. But it, but it has but introduced people to the concept, hasn't it? It has introduced yeah. people yeah. to the concept. And I think the realistic piece is that you are under extreme time pressure. So... The, the 10 minutes is taken very seriously. It includes your setup when you're walking in the room and plugging in your laptop ready to go. So if you take five minutes stuffing around with IT issues, then you're losing time off your pitch because the angels have multiple uh, pitches lined up and they've, you know, they're busy people. They're there for a short period of time. Um, and the intensity of the questioning is something perhaps Kaz can comment on. But certainly I know from doing screening pitches and also uh, actual pitches, you know, there's, they're straight into in-depth questions immediately and looking mm. for answers. So that pressure and the concept of Shark Tank, I can see where the name comes from. Um, but yes, there's definitely a bit of TV editing to that version. And you have to know your numbers, don't you? It's not something where you can be flicking through a 50-page business case to find what you might be referring to in your question. Absolutely. So that's probably another thing that is does come across on Shark Tank if Steve gets upset at someone about not knowing their numbers we would expect people to be able to do their pitch deck even if the computer didn't work at all. They should know the basic metrics of what makes up, you know, they've put a valuation on their business. How did they get to that valuation? At the end of the day, all we know about their financial projections is that inevitably they'll be wrong. They're just an indication of what we think is going to happen. And so the, uh, the, they need to be able to defend that to us clearly and, and have that debate. Now, we're just about to finish. Cass, I want to give you the mic for the end. I'm curious about some of the things that you've said about the gig economy and encouraging more women to explore startups as a viable career choice. So tell me a little bit about your prediction for the future of work. Oh, wow. I, I think that fewer people are going to be employed in traditional corporations. I think that corporations themselves are going to transform in my mind, like I have this ideal of what I'd like to create for my own company and I know that it looks a lot different to what a traditional corporation would look like. Um, I, I just think that work should be part of our lives, not an either or thing. And I feel like for, for women who are going into the startup world and, and seeking angel investment, um, that is a way that they can actually create something new a new culture. So that's kind of my little side thing that I want to do is I want to actually create a whole new culture around how we work together and, and how that looks for women, particularly women who are in different circumstances, um, maybe disadvantaged socially, economically, maybe um, out of, you know, maybe a struggling single parent. So I myself am a single parent and I have kids with autism. So it's you know, it's a full-on life, but you just jump in and you do it. And it is possible. If I can do it, anyone can do it. I think I'll be polishing up the old LinkedIn profile to connect with you later and I hope so. possibly buying a book. So that was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much for being a part of USQ's Unleashed Career Cass, as well as Lee. Thank you for coming in. Let's quickly go around the table and um, explain to the listener where we can find you online. So if you have any social media handles that you want to plug, for example, have a think about that. Lou, your House of Bromley on Twitter. Yes, I am. I'm Spencer Houston on Twitter. That's easy. Lee, where do we find you? I'm best find on LinkedIn, just under my name, Lee Staines, or look up angelloop.org. And what about you, Kaz? Where do we find you? 
I hang out on Facebook mostly. I'm also on Twitter, but if you look up Writerly, W-R-I-T-A-L-L-Y on Facebook or Twitter, uh, you will find me. Excellent. Thank you one and all for listening to Unleash Your Career. Now, as I say every week, if you know someone who could benefit from the information in today's episode, invite them to discover us. Unleash Your Career, we are called. We're produced at the University of Southern Queensland Springfield Campus, and we'll see you next time.